0: Hello and welcome to the New Hope Church Podcast. Whether you are a member of our church family, either in person or online, or just checking us out for the first time, we believe that you belong here at New Hope Church, and we hope that this message speaks to you today. Don't forget to check us out online at newhopechurch.tv, and we'd love to connect with you on social media at New Hope Church TV. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Okay, all right, I want to welcome everybody at our 288 campus, our Friendswood campus, Alvin campus, Webster campus, and welcome to our Pearland campus where this weekend they have added a service to the lineup. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. It's kind of a big deal going from uh, one service to two services, but it's going to free up some room uh, for uh, additional folks to show up so that we can continue to make Christ known uh, through our church family. So Pearland, we're thinking about you right now, praying for you as you take this huge step of faith in preparation for the grand opening that's going to take place on Easter weekend. So proud of you guys. It's awesome there now. It's going to continue to be awesome, and I can't wait to see what God does through you there in Pearland. Amen to that. All right, so last weekend we stepped back into our uh, study of the book of John in a series that we're calling The Road to Jerusalem. And if you were with us, then you know that things have become increasingly dangerous for Jesus in and around the area of Jerusalem. That is because so many people want him dead. He knows that, and yet still he sets his sights on Jerusalem knowing that the cross awaits him. Which just leads me to say at this moment, do you realize how much Jesus loves you? That, uh, that he would do what he did, that he would go to Jerusalem knowing that he was gonna be put onto a cross, but he did it because of his love for you. He did it so that you could have a shot At uh, salvation so that he could take your penalty the penalty for your sin upon himself so that you could have his righteousness so that you could be forgiven and made new you know what that is that is amazing grace amen now today we're going to be in john chapter 9 if you want to join me there in your bible or on your device but i want to begin today with a question and the question is this, um, how many of you, and I'm going to raise both my hands, how many of you have at least one problem in your life right now, at least one problem, go ahead and raise your hand at all of our campuses. Okay, don't point at them, don't point at them, just uh, <laughs> just raise your hand. Um, uh, hear, hear me now, uh, we all have problems, we all have problems at, and uh, to some extent. But the problem is not really the problem. The the problem only reveals the problem in us if there is one. In fact, someone once said people are like tea bags. You never know what's inside of them until you put them in the hot water. And that's the truth. Problems reveal the problems that are in us. And In fact, all that to say, problems are a test. Problems are a test. James chapter one, verse two, James chapter one, verse two, which I wish I had put on the screen for you. But in James chapter one, verse two, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work in you so that you will be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So I don't know if you caught that. The end goal here, uh, is that we become mature and complete, not lacking anything. The way that we get there is, is we have perseverance. The way that we get perseverance is we go through problems. The way that we go through problems is that we have perseverance. You see the problem there? you got to have perseverance to get through problems, and you got to have problems in order to develop perseverance to get to where God is trying to take us. But I've noticed this, I've noticed this, everybody has problems, but not everybody becomes mature and complete. Say amen if you agree with that. Uh, Not everybody becomes mature and complete. So what's the difference? Why do some people become mature and complete and some people do not? Well, you know, uh, a problem, I once heard this said, a problem can make us bitter or it can make us better. The choice, you know, the difference is I, what do I do with it? How do I see it? And the choice in this case is our eyes. And I'm going to tell you today that it takes eyes of faith for God to do what he wants to do in our hearts to take us to the place he wants to take us to make us mature and complete, not lacking anything. And that's what I want for our church family. I want everybody to be mature and complete, not lacking anything to get there. We have to have, have to have eyes of faith. And so what I want to do today, as we get into John chapter 9, is I want to give you several statements on eyes of faith, okay? And the first one is this. Eyes of faith do this. Eyes of faith see past the problem. Eyes of faith see past the problem. And as we're going to see in the text here today, the disciples had bought into the theology of that time, which basically said, if a person has a problem, it's because they're a sinner, if a person has a problem, it's because, because they're somehow they're sinning in their life. We see it also in the book of Job when his friends came and talked to him. But this is just a theology that was out there back in the day. If you have problems, it's because you're a sinner. If your life is blessed, it's because you're a good person. Um, if you're rich, it's because you're a good person. That's what people believed back then. Um, And and if you're sick, especially if you were born with some disability, it's because you or your parents had sinned. God did not like you because of your sin, and he was doing this to you to make you pay some kind of price. Now, that is an easy, though incorrect, theology to fall into. And and I'm going to tell you, I said this back in the day, but it's nowadays too. Where people think, "Wow, my life is so blessed. We're so blessed. Do you realize how blessed we are? We're so blessed. And our neighbors—they're going through this, and these neighbors are going through that, and those neighbors are over there—and we don't have any kind of problem like that in our life. We don't have any problem. We don't have. Pro- we're so good. God loves us because we're so good. And I'm going to write a book that's called, uh, Be Blessed.' Subtitle: Be like me and. I'm going to start a podcast where I'm going to interview people and they can ask me questions about how to be more like me. And, and, but that's what a lot of people think that if if we're going to be blessed, it is because we're so good. And if anything bad happens, it's because of some sin. That's an easy, bad theology to fall into. And if you're keeping score today, that kind of thinking is wrong. It's wrong. And now let's get into the text. Are you ready to get into the text today? John chapter nine, let's begin at verse one. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? Was it this man who sinned, or was it his parents that sinned, that he was born blind? So so the setting is this. They're near the temple area. It's the Sabbath day, so a lot of people are around, because a lot of people went to the te- to the temple on the Sabbath, and This is a place where folks would often go and beg in this area as people were coming and going, hoping that there would be some generous people in the crowd that would toss up through a few coins in their direction to help them to continue to be able to pay some bills and have some food and live their lives. And when the disciples saw this poor blind man, a guy that was blind from birth, all they saw was the problem. They saw the problem that he was blind. They Notice they did not say, Jesus, is there anything that we can do for him? Jesus, should we give him some money? Jesus, can you heal this guy like you've healed so many other people? They did not ask any questions like that. They just immediately did the knee-jerk reaction. They saw the problem and said, who can we blame? Here's the problem. They saw the problem. Easy to see the problems, is it not? Easy to see the problems in life. And then look for somebody to blame. But I want to show you something. And if you've seen this before, please enjoy it in silence. Okay, don't give it away. But uh, if you have not seen this before by a show of hands and this is not a trick question I just want you to be honest about what you're thinking you're seeing here on the screen by a show of hands at our campuses how many of you would say the orange circle on the right hand side of the screen is larger than the orange circle on the left hand side of the screen anybody want to uh, vote on this the orange one on the right hand looks bigger looks bigger or looks bigger okay a lot of people aren't voting is that what's what's up <laughs> The orange circle, do you you think think the orange circle on the right-hand side looks bigger? Okay, so the truth is that's what our minds are telling us for those who are brave enough to play along. Our minds are telling us that the orange circle on the right-hand side of the screen is bigger, but I wanna show you what the reality is. The reality is both orange circles are exactly the same size. And the reason that one looks bigger is because of what is around it and and let me show you the two orange circles without anything around it whatsoever there they are again and some of you're still like it's still bigger it's still bigger i know it's bigger <laughs> how many of you think it's still bigger <laughs> <laughs> and in our lives what happens is often the situation around us causes us to see things in a way that is not true we see a problem we think it's too big It's It's hopeless, it's hopeless. Or we think, uh, God did this to me. God, God doesn't care. God's not listening to my prayers. And we see the problem and we immediately look for someone to blame. But let me tell you what eyes of faith do. Eyes of faith see the problem. Eyes of faith are not in denial. Eyes of faith see the problem just like everybody else does. But they look beyond the problem to God. God who is bigger and more powerful than any problem we could ever have on this earth. Now listen to Jesus as he responds in verse 3. Jesus answered, it was not this man who sinned nor his parents who sinned, but it was that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now I'll admit this is a response that doesn't naturally appear in the drop down menu of options in our eyes. I'm thinking of the Terminator. Terminator. When we encounter a problem, remember the drop-down menu in his eyes, okay, this one doesn't normally appear. All we can think about is there's a problem, got to get rid of the problem, or who can I blame for the problem that I can't get rid of? But Jesus gives us another option. See a problem? Give glory to God. Wait, wait, wait. Now, I'm going to ask you a question again. Is that, is that tough to do? Is that tough to do? Yes, it's tough to do, right? Right? Actually, it's impossible to do when we're only looking through our natural eyes. But I'm gonna to preach to myself for a moment and let you guys listen in. If I just remind myself that God is good. Is God good? Is God good? Yeah. If I remind myself that God is good, if if we remind ourselves that He has a plan and His plan is good, is that true? he has a plan, his plan is good. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. If I remember that God is going to give me everything that I need for everything that I'm going through. Do you believe that? That God is going to give you everything that you need for everything that you're going through. Uh, Philippians chapter 4 verse 19. My God will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Psalm chapter 23, verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David also said in the Psalms, I was young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their children begging bread. God is going to give me everything that I need for everything that I'm going through. So now, if I remember these things, when I see a problem, I don't have to wait until the problem's solved before I stop and give glory to God. Lord... Lord, help us to have eyes of faith to see beyond the problem. Secondly, eyes of faith understand it might get messier before it gets better. It might get messier before it gets better. <clears throat> Here's a guy who's been blind his whole life, and it's been tough, I'm sure. And he's had to listen, probably listen to people who are talking about his disability as if it's something that is a result of his sin, even though it was, he's had it since the time he was born. And uh, now he's listening again to other guys talk about him. And this time it's Jesus, his own disciples, standing there talking about the sin thing again, wondering out loud if what he's done to deserve this. And then it gets messier, messier. Verse 4, <clears throat> we must, Jesus says, this is after Jesus said it was not that he was uh, sinned or his parents sinned, but that the works of God might de- be displayed in him. Then verse four, he says, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, night is coming when no one can work. <clears throat> as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And now's when it gets messier. Having said these things, Jesus spit on the ground and made mud with the What? I just want you to say that out loud in church. <laughs> Saliva. And uh, then he anointed the man's eyes with mud. So Jesus spit in the dirt more than likely multiple times. There's a picture of Jesus you usually don't think about. <laughs> Bent over close to the ground, spitting repeatedly into the dirt, stirring up the saliva and the dirt in order to make mud, then taking the mud that he's made with spit and dirt and smashing it onto the, this guy's eyes. And all the people said, ooh. Right? <laughs> now for this guy being blind, bad enough, but now you've got a stranger putting mud on your face. Now there were other times when Jesus healed people, all he did was touch them. Sometimes he just spoke a word. <clears> there <throat> was once, and I'm thinking of right now, somebody said, hey, I got somebody that's sick back home. Can you come? And he said, nope, Beep, they're healed. Like long distance, <laughs> healed them. And I'm telling you, that's what I want Jesus to do for me and my problems. I want him to speak the word. I want him to do that. I want him to, no mud in my eyes necessary, please, Jesus. No mud. Now, the English Standard Version that we're using here makes it sound churchy because it says he anointed, anointed the man's eyes with mud. Oh, like that's something different. He anointed. (laughs) That Greek word can actually be translated also as smeared. It is what it is, mud in your eye. And that's how it works sometimes. It gets messier before it gets better. And I don't have to tell some of you that because you've experienced this. You prayed about something, and instead of getting better, it got worse. Um, Maybe you've been tested to your very limit, or at least you thought it was your limit, and you prayed and prayed and prayed, and then you got tested more. Maybe you had a family member who was addicted to drugs or alcohol. You prayed hard, and then you got mud in your eye. Maybe it was your marriage, you prayed for your marriage to get better and, and it got worse. Maybe, maybe it was a financial issue and you had like $50 in the bank and you prayed, God, please, you got to help me because I got to make a week and a half and I only got $50 in the bank. And then something happened to your car or to your plumbing and now you're $5,000 in the hole. Listen, that's mud in your eye. But you know what else it is? It's a test. It's a test. Am I going to keep on believing? You see, eyes of faith understand that things might get messier before they get better. So, what do they do? Eyes of faith, number three, obey even though they can't see the point. They obey even though they can't see the point. (coughs) Pardon me i got to hand it to the blind guy here. He's uh, minding his own business. Uh, The disciples start talking about a sin. Jesus walks up, doesn't warn him. He doesn't say, hey, I'm the son of God, and I'm about to heal you. And it's going to get a little messier before it gets better. And uh, be prepared, because I'm going to put spit and mud on your face, okay? No warning whatsoever. You just hear somebody spitting on the ground in front of you multiple times, and the next thing you know is you feel uh, warm mud on your face. And as if this whole situation is not strange enough, then the first thing that Jesus asks you to do is this. First half of verse 7. Go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. The word Siloam means scent. Now, before I get to the important spiritual point, I wanna share an interesting point, at least to me. Uh, in 2004, they were digging for a new sewer system south of the temple in Jerusalem, or the Temple Mount, and they found the Pool of Siloam, they actually found it. And uh, you can tell that it hasn't all been excavated yet. This is uh, centuries and centuries of rubble, uh, of, of, of broken down buildings and walls and so forth that have been tossed in here to level it out. But this is actually the Pool of Siloam here, and recently they made the decision to excavate the rest of it, or most of it, and uh, in the not-too-distant future, open it up to the public. And so I'm hoping that our groups can in the future can stop by there and uh, walk down those steps. And I already know what's going to happen when we get there. We're going to have people walk down the steps at the Pool of Siloam and take water and go like this. And maybe you think, why would somebody do that? Because when you're in the Holy Land, you just do Holy Land things. That's why. (laughs) You want to experience it all. But uh, here's the important thing spiritually about this story. More than likely, Jesus put mud on this guy's eyes up here. Uh, This is the Temple Mount. Um, This is the south wall of the temple. This is where uh, the the major entry and exit was. Uh, It was important that when you went into the temple that you were cleansed. So you were supposed to take a ceremonial bath and you could do so in the mikvahs that were located all along this south wall and they've excavated a ton of these. I don't know how many there are, hundreds, little baths that you walk down in, and you dip yourself under and come back out, and and then you were able to go into the temple, but you could not do that until you took a a bath in one of these mikvahs, and then you could go in, the stairway was divided so that the people who were uh, clean would go up one side, the other folks would come down the other side so that they would not accidentally bump up against each other, and somebody would become unclean, and all this ceremonial stuff. And so I'm just telling you this because there are lots of places right here that he could have washed his eyes. But Jesus tells a guy who is blind, (laughs) he's still blind, with mud on his face, he didn't tell him to go here into one of these mikvahs to wash his face. He told him to go down there to the pool of Siloam. That's That's where it's located at. That's, a, that's amazing. And uh, all these other places he could have gone, he told him to go here. He's got mud and spit on his face. This is gonna be a difficult little journey for him. But watch what happens, second half of verse seven. So he went, Jesus says, go. So he went, and he washed and came back seen. He just obeyed. He didn't say, hey, hey, that doesn't make any sense. I know. I may be blind, but I know that there's people taking baths right here, and uh, I could just use one of these. It doesn't make sense for me to walk that far. I can't even see to go that far to a pool way down south of here. He didn't say, hey, I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to pray about this. Uh, uh, Thanks for the facial, but let me pray about it for a while, and then I'll make my decision. He, Jesus says, go, and he just obeyed, and God took his situation and turned around. Which leads me to ask my church family today, what has God told you to do? And you haven't done it yet. What has he told you to do? Maybe you've, maybe across your mind in a sermon, maybe as you were reading a devotional, maybe in your prayer time, maybe as you were reading his word, maybe the Holy Spirit in a situation impressed upon you something that you should do. I don't know what it is. Forgive somebody, be baptized. Uh, join a, a life group, I, whatever it is, whatever it is. Or maybe there's something he wants you to stop doing, but you have not gone and done it yet. You've not gone and done it. And here's, here's the issue. A lot of folks are praying for God to do something big, down the line, God, do this, God, do this. Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing this? And, and we're wait, we think we're waiting on God, but in reality, God is waiting on us to do the thing he's already asked us to do. What has he asked you to do that you have not done yet? Maybe it's time for an inventory of our obedience to make sure that we're caught up with God. An inventory of obedience. In Galatians chapter 5 verse 25 it says, If we walk by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That is, let us do what he's called us to do. Let us stay in step with the Spirit. Eyes of faith obey, even though sometimes it doesn't make sense. Then number four, eyes of faith don't have to have all the answers. They don't have to have all the answers. Uh, Many people think they have to have all the answers. They have to know the Bible frontwards and backwards before they can be a good Christian. Incorrect. Incorrect. As the story goes on, the religious leaders uh, nabbed this guy who was once blind They made him appear before their council. These are the guys who hated Jesus and wanted Jesus dead. They're spitting mad that Jesus was spitting and healing on the Sabbath day. And so they questioned this formerly blind man but didn't like his answer, so they sent him away. And then they brought him back again for another round of questions. And if you're following along, we'll be down in verse 24. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. And I'll translate this for you. What they're saying here is, is, uh, do the right thing and agree with us. Do the right thing. They're putting pressure on him. These are powerful people and they are exerting all the pressure that they have on this poor little guy. But they didn't know who they were messing with. Because this is a guy who'd been blind his whole life and now he's healed. He lived in darkness. Now he can see. And and, and he's, I don't know if you you can identify with him, but if you have gone through hell in your life and you've made it through and somebody tries to mess with you, it's like, don't even. (laughs) I've already been to hell and back. This is nothing for me right now. This guy is like, no big deal. He's got perspective. So he answers. It says, we know that he's a sinner. Tell us that he's a sinner. He answered, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. I don't know. One thing I do know is that though I was blind, now I can see. Now, for those of you keeping score of this round of the fight here, that's a jab. Okay. But he's got a couple more swings that I don't need to read because they have nothing to do with the point that I'm making, but I want to read them because I love them. I want to hear them again. He knows that these guys hate Jesus. They want Jesus dead. They hate him that much. Verse 26 and following. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Oh no, you didn't. That's what it. (laughs) They answered him, you were born in utter sin. And would we, and would you teach us? And they cast him out for the second time. So they're back to their old misguided theology. We're healthy because we're so good and you've suffered because you're so evil. Funny thing is this guy couldn't even pick Jesus out of a lineup. He has never seen Jesus, but that didn't matter. He doesn't really know Jesus. He says, all I know is I've been blind my whole life and now I'm not blind. And now I'm not blind. And in that simple line, he gave every single follower of Jesus Christ in church with us today, the outline of our own personal testimony. And here it goes. I don't have all the answers, but this I do know. Once upon a time, my life was headed in the wrong direction. Then Jesus showed up in my life, and now my life's going in a good direction. Once upon a time, I was lost, and I was hopeless, and then Jesus showed up, and I've been found, and now I have hope. Once upon a time, I was dead in my sins. I was headed to hell, but then Jesus showed up, and now I have the hope of heaven someday. Once upon a time, my life was meaningless without purpose. Then Jesus, now my life has purpose and I look forward to every day and the joy of my salvation is strong. That's the difference that Jesus Christ can make. And that's the outline. Before Jesus and after Jesus. Jesus changes us. Do you know that? He changes us. So they kick him out of the temple again. Jesus hears about it. He finds this guy. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they'd cast him out, and having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Now, if you've been with us, you remember why John wrote this book to us. It's all the way in uh, chapter uh, 20, verses 30 and 31. He said, I write these things that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing, you may have life in his name. Okay, that's why John wrote the whole book. Here, Jesus wants this guy to believe. He says, do you believe in me? Verse 36, The formerly blind man answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? See, he doesn't realize that he's standing in front of him because he was blind when they were together before. Verse 37, Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Now, there may be some people with us today who think you don't, You can't do anything for the Lord because you don't know enough, because you're not good enough, because you haven't read through the Bibles enough times, because you think you don't know how to pray. You you don't want to help. You don't want to volunteer. You don't want to do anything for the Lord because you think you're not spiritual enough. You think that something that you've done in your past has disqualified you from being able to be used by God any time in the future. Listen to me. A person with eyes of faith doesn't have to have all the answers a person with eyes of faith just knows this once upon a time their life was like this then jesus showed up and he saved them and now they believe in him and they want to live for him and just like this guy he believed and he worshiped jesus i want to close with a with a story today John Newton uh, was born in London back in the 18th century. He was the son of a godly Christ-following mother and the son of a God-hating father. When John was six years old, his mom died, and he instantly became embittered at the God that she loved and served. And for him, it became, it, that her, her death became the problem that he could not see past. And so at age 11, he went to work with his dad as a merchant sailor. And uh, during that time period, his hate for God grew and festered. He lived in direct rebellion to God, he said, so much so that if God wanted him to do one thing, he would just basically do the opposite. Direct a rebellion. Anything God he felt like God wanted him to do, he just did the opposite. He hated God so much. Uh, so the obvious career choice for him at that time was to become the captain of a slave ship. Now the slave trade, as you well know, was, was a horrible, godless business in that time and place, and John Newton was right in the middle of it. And one day he was on a voyage back to London, and his ship encountered a massive storm, so much so that he thought, okay, this is it. God, God is going to get me. God is finally going to give to me what I deserve. But the ship did not sink and his life was spared. Well, he found a book on board, a book entitled The Imitation of Christ. And he read that book. And in the pages of that book, his Eyes were open to the reality of Jesus Christ and who Jesus is. And on that day, he became a follower of Jesus Christ. And when he got back to land, he quit his job. He renounced his former sinful life and became a minister of the gospel. And he wrote a song a song that has become the most beloved song of all time. I know that you know it. And if you don't know it, I at least know that you've heard it. And I say that because we sang it today. The song is called Amazing Grace. And it goes like this, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost But now I am found, I was blind, but now I see. Law of averages says that there's somebody with us at church today who has been blinded to Jesus by the problems and the junk that have happened to you in this life. And if you've had a tough go of it, I just wanna say I'm, I'm sorry, I feel for you. But I also want to say I've been praying that if that's you, like you've been embittered toward God because of loss or because of problems or because of things that you or your family have gone through, I've just been praying that God would open your eyes in the next few moments to who Jesus is and how much he loves you. And I want you to know that he can make a difference in your life. And not just a little difference, by the way. He can, if you open your eyes to him, he can give you his grace and his forgiveness and his salvation, which he died in your place to give to you. And I'm praying today that you'll receive that if you have not already. God, open up our eyes. Today, Lord, give us eyes of faith. Amen. I want you to stand with me, please. So today, if you need to make a decision for Christ um, and maybe you're brand new, uh, 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 let me tell you this. Every week at our church, we have prayer partners down front and wonderful, kind people. If you'll just make your way down to the front, everybody else will be going out. You come this way and it's worth the trip. Take a few moments. Let somebody pray for you. Let somebody help you in the decision if you want to make a decision today to follow Christ or to rededicate or if you just need prayer for something that is going on in your life a a problem maybe that is difficult we will pray for you today personally before you go all right let's bow right now pray for the whole group and then you can be dismissed heavenly father thank you for loving us enough to do what you've done for us to make a way for us through your son Jesus but also to walk with us each day. And, Lord, for those who are going through difficult times in their life right now, I pray, God, that they would not be blinded by those difficulties. But, Lord, we would all fix our eyes on you, the author and creator, Lord, of this life and of our faith. And use whatever's happening to anybody in church today to not turn them into a bitter person, but to turn them into a better person. Lord, I pray this in the powerful name of your son and all the people said. God bless, guys. We'll see you next time. If you enjoyed the podcast, we encourage you to subscribe, share it with friends and family, or let us know by tagging us at New Hope Church TV on social media. We would love to connect with you. Thanks for listening.